Lord Jesus Christ, when we consider the truth of that, it's very powerful. From you are all things. That's true. You're the creator of all and you're the author of life. Every one of us sitting here and listening to my voice, we exist because you chose to make us. Through him are all things. Yes. And to him are all things. We find our greatest fulfillment in life, God, when we're living our lives for your glory and praise. We've come to this place, Lord Jesus Christ, because we long to receive from you today a fresh word. You know what each of us needs to hear. So why don't you invite Jesus Christ to speak to you, my friend? During the next few minutes, invite Jesus to speak into your life with what he knows you need to hear from him. And Jesus, we've come to receive a fresh touch from you, a touch in our hearts, dealing with our attitudes, our emotions, our feelings, a touch in our minds, dealing with our reason and our logic and our thinking, and our touch down deep in our soul. Why don't you ask Jesus to touch you right at the point of what he knows is your greatest need this morning, my friend. Now, God, we thank you that you speak to us through music and we have received your touch there. We, you speak to us through your word and we open it now as we open our minds, our ears, and our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And I'll release our children, the little ones, up through grade four to some wonderful adults who've been preparing to teach them. As we consider that your Bible and mine opens with these words, in the beginning, God. The Hebrew word for God there is Elohim. It means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that God. And that moment, those first four words of the Bible, it were a moment in time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But you could stand on that moment and you, you could look back in time, infinity. God was there all through eternity past. Isn't that true? And you could stand at that moment and you could look forward in time, infinity. God will always be there. The God we, we love and serve is an eternal God. So I've been asking myself this week as we come to the second Sunday of, of Advent, is it possible that Christmas was already in the process before Genesis 1-1? And I would like to tell you absolutely yes. I see three things in God's Word that tell me that. You'll see them there in your notes. The, the first is, it, Paul writes, by him all things were made, both visible and invisible. Before Genesis 1-1, God created a species of beings that are very active in the Christmas story. Angels. Also, before Genesis 1-1, a number of those angels rebelled against God. And he threw them out of heaven. And he allowed them, believe it or not, to establish a kingdom of darkness in opposition to God and God's plan and God's purposes. As a result of that, Paul writes, he chose us in Christ before the beginning of the world, before the creation of the world, to be 
his people holy and blameless. Therefore, God was planning the redemption plan, the rescue plan of the human race before he even created the earth. Now think about that. God was planning redemption before he created Adam. And in order for the redemption plan to work, Jesus had to agree to leave heaven and all of its wonder and majesty and come here to be Emmanuel, God with us, right? That's the incarnation. You see, may I suggest to you that the key word for Christmas is yes. He had to agree to, to leave heaven and come here and live among us. He had to agree to come here and fight for us. Fight against the dark kingdom with his truth and his power. And he had to agree to come here and go all the way to the cross to make it possible for you and for me to be delivered from the darkness. Is all that true as you understand it? And all of that had to be decided before Genesis 1.1. I'd like us to consider this morning the price of yes. See what I wrote for you on the front of your worship folder? Jesus, servant to those in need. What's the price of Christmas? With 15 shopping days left till Christmas 2012, what price will you pay for Christmas this year? What's your return on investment? All the money you're going to spend for Christmas, what are you expecting to be the return on that? Now look deeper. What price will God pay for your Christmas this year? And what's the return on His investment? Are those fair questions, do you think, for us to be asking ourselves going into this Christmas? The Cudworths read for us out of Luke chapter 4. Could I invite you to turn there in your Bible, please? Luke chapter 4 in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Third book, fourth chapter. And as they were lighting the second Advent candle just a little while ago in our service, they read this. Jesus returned to Galilee, verse 14. Galilee, as you know, is the province, the, the county in the northern part of Israel. The Sea of Galilee is there. Cana of Galilee, where Jesus did his first miracle, is there. Nazareth of Galilee, where Jesus was raised as a boy, is there. He returned back to the Galilee. Now think about it. Jesus was omnipresent God, but he gave up his omnipresence to have an earthly address, to live in one little ramshackled house in a very poor family. That was part of the price that Jesus paid for his yes to the redemption plan. It says there, in the power of the Holy Spirit, when Jesus left heaven to come here, he left behind his glory, his, his omnipotence, his unlimited power to place himself inside of, inside of a helpless little baby, right? Part of his price of yes. But in his baptism, the Holy Spirit of God came upon him and empowered him and the miracles are the evidence of that power. It says here, it goes on in verse 15, that, that he, he went and he taught in the synagogues. Instead of being, may I say, the omniscient God, speaking in a sense to the entire universe, he limited himself to speaking to one person at a time in the synagogues to small groups of people. 
It's important for you and me to understand all that Jesus gave up when he said yes, that he'd be willing to come and be our Savior. It, it tells us there that he went to Nazareth, where he was brought up, and on the Sabbath he went into the synagogue where he'd been many, many times before, and they handed him the scroll, the Torah scroll, and he took it and he read the reading for that day, which was evidently Isaiah 61, because that's what's quoted here. And it begins by saying, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. Where's the poorest place you've ever been? Tess is now living in the Philippines, her fourth country on the 11-country tour of the world, serving the poorest of the poor. She's living among, in a slum among, as I understand it, children who are actually slaves working in a charcoal factory. Serving them and feeding them and caring for their needs as best she can. And her heart, her heart is being ripped apart as she's now for, four, for the fourth straight month come to understand what does real poverty look like in some of the poorest places in the world. This says that Jesus came and part of his mission was to step into the poverty of our world to preach good news. So what's good news for the poorest of the poor? Now, now we might think good news is, here's money for another meal. Or, or money maybe for a month of meals. More than a hundred times Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and eternity with God in his presence. That was great news for the poor. It isn't all about the finiteness of this terrible existence. This is just a moment in time. But in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you can be assured of an eternity of a relationship with Almighty God, huh? He went on to say, He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim rescue, deliverance for the prisoners, release from the darkness. What's the answer to brokenheartedness? We've all experienced it in our lifetime. Some would say time. Yeah, maybe. You remember how often Jesus talked about the unconditional love of God? Would you agree that love, God's love is what heals the broken heart? And if you're here this morning and your heart is broken for whatever reason, may I give you some wonderful news? God's love for you is not dependent or conditional on anything you could ever possibly do. He loves you because he made you. And he would love to heal your broken heart, right? With his unconditional love poured into your life. And Jesus said he'd come to proclaim hope. Yeah. In, in every way. To, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now these were Jewish people listening. They would have thought of the year of Jubilee where every 50 years debts are canceled and slaves are set free. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's coming to say, God so much wants to pour out his favor upon you. The day of vengeance of our Lord. He's a just and a holy God. And we will give account to comfort those who mourn, to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. 
You boil that all down, all down, and what was Jesus saying? May I suggest Jesus was saying, I have agreed by saying yes to God's rescue plan to leave the magnificence of a heaven that you could possibly never imagine, to come to the brokenness of your world, to speak hope to you, to live hope for you, and to die for your hope. Huh? Then he said to Isaiah 700 years before, and he wrote it, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. May I suggest that Jesus was saying there, those who respond to my coming and my offer of hope, they themselves will be changed by, by the unleashing of my power into their lives and by the relationship that I'm offering them. And they will then become voices of hope into their world. Now think about this. It was wonderful for Jesus to say, okay, I will be willing to go. But God needed to find a young woman who would also say yes. Yes to the unthinkable, the unimaginable. And he found Mary, who would be willing to be the human vehicle through which Jesus could come. But that was expensive. Because, you see, Mary's yes was also a no. Mary had to say no to her hopes and dreams of a wonderful engagement where she could walk proudly through town talking about her fiancé, Joseph. She had to say no to a beautiful wedding that she'd planned, I'm sure, since she was a child. There would be no beautiful wedding. No one could possibly understand her explanation of her pregnancy. She had to say no of, of raising her family in her own hometown with joy and a sense of pride. Can you imagine the shame she lived with her whole life? Even watching her son crucified on a cross. You and I live at a time, would you agree, that there's kind of this unspoken assumption that if you say yes to God, all will be wonderful from that day for the rest of your life. Peaches and cream. In fact, in fact, if you say yes to God, you are saying no to many other things. Right? Now, in order for this wonderful redemption plan to work, there needed to be a woman who'd say yes, and there needed to be a man who would stand alongside of her with his yes in the shame of it all and raise that little son as his own, even though he knew it wasn't his own. You remember Matthew tells us that, that Joseph was thinking, I'm just going to put her aside quietly, and uh, nobody really needs to understand all of this. Until the word of God came to him in a vision, Joseph, what is conceived in her is of me, of the Holy Spirit of God. Take her to be your wife. And he did. He said, yes to God. But there's a little phrase there. You remember in Matthew chapter 1 where it says, and he had no union with her until after the baby was born. You remember how you looked forward to your wedding night and the weeks that followed? For Joseph, there was lots of no's in his life when he said yes to God. 
Yes to God meant for Joseph, I will put my personal agenda aside for the rest of my life. And the rest of my life now becomes the mission of caring for and protecting this dear woman who's going to be the scorn of everyone who knows her. And raising up this little boy and protecting him and teaching him all I can and being fully alert at all times to anything that God may tell me because the rest of my life, the mission is going to be so much bigger than anything I could have ever imagined. And so... In Bethlehem, imagining, think, thinking, could, could it ever get any worse than this? Have, having to bring Mary down here to Bethlehem, nine months pregnant, to register to pay more taxes. This is the bottom. Joseph, it's the middle of the night. Get up. It's not the bottom. There's great danger coming. Get up right now and, and take that woman and that child and flee this place and live like a refugee in Egypt. Magi in a far distant land see a star and in all of their study it says to them a, a newborn king has been born a very special newborn king let's follow the star where we have no idea like Abraham we just follow the star a week a month a year hot desert cold nights to see a baby their yes to God led them on a journey that they could have never pre-planned. And then their warning from God led them to say, no, we'll not go back the same way. There's great danger even though we don't understand it. And then, of course, an invitation to King Herod. <laughs> you get to be the king that receives the newborn king in your era, in your city. Celebrate it. You can announce the arrival of the long-awaited Messiah. No. No. Have you yet figured out what the price of saying no to God is? Think back over your life. Remember a time in your life when you said no to God? You knew exactly what he was leading you to do. Tell the truth in this particular situation. You thought the price was too high. And so you distorted the truth just a little bit. And you'd give anything to go back and tell the truth, wouldn't you? Nobody will ever know. You believe that lie, and you give anything to go back and not do what you did, right? There is a price, my friends, both in saying yes to God because it requires you then to say no to some other things, right? Right? Am I right? And there's a price to saying no to God because when you say yes to those other things that are going to rip your, your life apart, and in some cases you can never go back and undo it. Am I right? So this Christmas I'm inviting you, will you start by thinking through what was the price that Jesus paid to say yes? And then look closely at your own life. Back through the corridors of time, the yeses and the noes. Now we have among us a dear brother, Brother Bruce. Would you please come and join me for a moment? It's so good to see you here. <laughs> Thank you. 
Bruce has, I think it's on. Let's see, is it on? There we go. Now, Bruce, you've said yes to God many times in your life, and it took you to what country? Japan. For how long? Altogether, 36 years. Amen. 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 We're so glad to have you. We've been partnered with you a long time. (laughs) What have you seen God doing in Japan in response to your yes? Uh, Well, in Nagano City, where we lived for 32 years, there are three churches today. Amen. uh, Pastored by Japanese pastors, and they're self-supporting. And uh, that's uh, one joy that I have. Let's praise God for that. Three churches in Japan. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yes, sir, brother. Yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, your dear wife went, in, went to be with Jesus some years ago. Yeah. And that would have been normally the time that most of us as God would say, Okay, God, that's enough. It's time to sit on the beach in Florida and count seashells. <laughs> but what did you do? I've often thought of that beach. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, through Calvary's help, in 2008, after my wife passed away, in 2007, I asked my missionary friend, can you use a man who can't take off his shoes and can't eat with chopsticks? Every Japanese can take off their shoes when they enter the house. They can eat food with their chopsticks, but with my muscle problem. I can't do that. So he says, yes, all of our churches are open for people to walk in with their shoes. So that was an obstacle uh, for me uh, that was removed by God. And I went out in 2008, and I just came home after four four years of service there. Now, I hope you won't mind my asking, how old are you, Bruce? Eighty-five. And I want to say thank you, thank you to Calvary Church uh, for your prayers. Uh, all the time these four years, I was riding my bicycle here and there, and I had only one accident. Several misses, but only one accident. During that four years, I had uh, classes Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I never missed a class because of sickness. Now, no classes, cold. what were you studying at that age, or were you teaching? I was teaching. I'm glad teaching to hear that. English. Teaching yeah. English yeah. in Japan. Yeah. Amen. I had Bible studies on Wednesday night, English Bible studies. I was teaching Filipinos in Japan. Amen. Amen. And they were exuberant. The Japanese people are very reserved. They don't show their feelings, and uh, even though they love Jesus. They're very reserved, but the Filipinos are just open. (laughs) Like us. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I want to thank you for your prayers and for your support. These four years have been very wonderful. It was not a difficult thing for me to say yes to Jesus. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) I feel like I'm standing next to a Moses (laughs) or a Paul, 85 years young, 
almost 40 years of yes to Jesus that took him to Japan. Thank you for Bruce. Thank you, Jesus, that you have given him the physical strength for nearly 40 years in Japan. Thank you that you've given him the emotional strength to keep on when I'm sure it seemed that the results were so few. Thank you especially since the, the homegoing, the departure of his dear bride, that you once again extended your call to him and you gave him the strength to say yes and as a widower to head back to the mission field. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes. Thank you now for bringing him back to us. I can't say home because home for him is probably now Japan. But thank you for bringing him back to us and letting us embrace him and walk this the last laps of the journey with him until you finally call him home to yourself. Amen. We praise you for Japanese Christians who know Jesus because Bruce said yes so many years ago. We lift up before you those Japanese pastors who have been taught and encouraged and discipled by Bruce who will now carry on the work Amen. even though Bruce is here and they are there. Thank you. We give you praise, God. We give you praise that this man counted the price of yes and said, absolutely, it's worth paying that price. Amen. And he looks back now on a lifetime of yes to Jesus. Amen. Could I ask God that you would greatly encourage this man with a strong sense of your delight in him that you were pleased to pour out your power upon him in those years. You were pleased to protect him from the darkness in those years. And you were pleased to bring great glory to yourself through our brother Bruce those years. We give you praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. amen. and amen. God bless you, dear Bruce. I feel like we owe this man a standing ovation. What do you think? We praise God for you. I'm a simple man. I just did what God told me to do. Thanks for your help. Thank you, brother. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, before we get ready to come to the table of communion, it's time to ask ourselves some questions, friends. Think back over the year 2012. You've got 22 days left or so. Can you remember a time in 2012 where you said yes to God? You knew He was speaking to you about something in your life, a change He wanted to make in your life. And you said yes, and you invited it. And you can celebrate now the work that God's done in your life. He was leading you in an important decision-making moment, and you said yes, and you stepped into a new job, perhaps. Perhaps there are some in this room, you were contemplating separation or divorce in your family, and you sensed God calling you, step back now. Let me help you rebuild this family. And you said yes, and you got the help you needed, and God has rebuilt your family. Aren't you glad? Teenagers, you were contemplating running away from home. Maybe you were even contemplating taking your own life. You heard God reach out to you and call you to himself, and you said yes. And you look back and you're awfully glad you did. I want you to take the notes that I gave you this next week and I want to urge you to take some time over these next days and reflect on this year. 
celebrate your yeses to God. Mark them down. But I obviously need to ask you, would you be courageous enough to remember when you said no to God? This year, a situation in which you knew that God was calling you, don't go that way. But you went. And now it's been a long journey of repentance and rebuilding. Mark it down. Remember. Praise God for His forgiveness and His strength. Learn the lesson so you don't fall back in that mud pit again. Because, my, my friends, my hope would be that when we come to December 31st and you're standing on the edge with your toes curled over <laughs> looking into 2013, what if, what if that night, New Year's Eve night, you determined, God, to the best of my ability, it will always be yes to you in 2013. Always. Before you even ask me, the answer is yes. What do you suppose God might be thinking today for you for 2013? The difference between a no path and a yes path for you and God, for your family. What might it be? Here at Calvary Community Church, we don't ask that you are a member of our church to receive communion. We just ask, please, that you're sure that at some point in your life journey, you said yes to Jesus. You recognized your sin and your need for a Savior, and you said, yes, I'm a sinner, and yes, I need your help, and you asked Jesus to save you. We also ask that you take the next moment or two or three to prepare your heart. Ask God to search your heart and show you, is there anything that needs to be cleaned up that he would like to address before you take the bread and the cup? Lord Jesus Christ, communion is ultimately the celebration of your yes. Because you said yes and you agreed to come here and you said yes to the Father and you went all the way to the cross, we can celebrate our salvation that you have earned through the taking of communion today. And so we receive it in your honor. We worship you with our communion. And we invite you, God, to speak into each of our lives in these next moments as we prepare our hearts to receive the bread and the cup. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Gentlemen, please serve us the bread.